1: Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Foku. I want to welcome you to this uh, edition of Sound Reasoning as we continue our talk through the book of Colossians from an apologetic perspective. And as we've been saying in previous episodes, the overarching theme of the book of Colossians deals with the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church the supremacy of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. And we are in chapter 3 as we look at Paul's uh, theme and Paul's commandments to this church, uh, his encouragement to this church in Colossae. And in an attempt to encourage the church, uh, Paul is instructing them to look forward Look forward to the parousia, the second coming of the Lord, uh, as we find it in verse 4, chapter 3. Look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, Not that we discard of this life hastily. Um, In the beginning uh, part of church history, there were those who were mistaken, thinking uh, Jesus was coming back during their time, and as a result, they didn't have to work. Uh, they didn't have to take care of daily, uh, duties. Uh, they were trying to anticipate the return of Jesus Christ. But if they were to remember, Jesus himself said, no man knows the time nor the hour, nor the son of man. And basically Jesus is trying to, uh, keep us from trying to guess when he's coming back. Because when we start guessing, the specific time of when he's coming back, then we are distracted from taking care of everyday business. Yes, we look forward to him coming. Yes, we know that he is coming. Yes, we're confident that he's coming back whenever he decides to come back. But no one knows the specific time Nobody knows the specific hour. Nobody knows the specific date. There have been ministries that have tried to uh, foretell when Jesus was coming back and they've been wrong. Everybody has been wrong uh, for those that give specific dates. The only thing we're confident in is what Jesus says. And he says he's not going to send us an invitation. He's not going to send a flyer out letting us know what date and time that he's coming back. So for those that are engaged in numerology, those that are engaged in eisegesis, meaning putting into the scripture what's not there, we need to avoid those type of teachings. We live our lives with our heads tilted upward, knowing in our center frame of mind that even though we don't know the specific day, he can come back Right now, he could come back while I'm doing this show. We don't know. But what he does tell us to do is be ready. Be ready for the parousia. Be ready when he does return. Uh, We shouldn't be in a state where he returns and we're not about our father's business. We're not out sharing the good news. We're not out uh, living in a way that's consistent with Christian conduct. We're not out being neighborly. We're not... Uh, being peacemakers. We're not doing the things that Jesus taught about. We're we're not engaged in those things. Those are the things we need to uh, make sure that we're on top of while we wait. While we wait on Christ coming back, we're not sedentary. We're out doing the Lord's work. And while we're doing his work, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that when Jesus returns, we are caught red-handed in the midst of working for him on his behalf? That's the frame of mind that Paul is trying to convey to the church of Colossae. Remember, regardless of all the difficulties, regardless of all the persecution, regardless of the struggles, Jesus is coming back. This is a promise. Jesus is coming back. So we are sojourners. We we are pilgrims. We We are passing through this life knowing that one day there will be a wedding banquet. The bridegroom is coming back for his church. And we are all, those that, that are believers, part of his global church. So Paul instructs them in Colossae, the Christians in Colossae, to look forward to the parousia. The P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. The parousia, the second coming of the Lord, as we see in chapter 3, verse 4. Paul uh, answers the question of why should they wait by reminding them that Christ is their life. So, in other words, they are in the business of Jesus. So, whether you're a handyman, you ought to uh, hammer the nails for Jesus. Be a witness for Christ wherever you go and perform your work. Be in the business of Christ. If you're a nurse. Let's not just do good works. Let's not just take care of the sick, but you're doing it because of Jesus. You're looking for opportunities for your gift to highlight Jesus. Whether you are a lawyer, same thing. Let not your profession go to waste because you're mainly doing good works and no one knows that you're a Christian and nobody hears the message from you. So, whatever your profession is, remember. Your primary objective, your primary business that we all have in common is: we are uh, faith speakers. We we are gospel revealers. We all of us have a job to do. Whether you're a janitor, same thing. We 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 sweep the floors for Jesus. We mop the floors for Jesus. We we cleanse for Jesus. And when people ask us why we're always consistently at work, why we're always faithful, why we, why we always have a smile on our face, let's let them know Jesus is responsible for the joy that we have. So don't forget, regardless of how, things, how tough things get, we do have a, 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 a Savior who's promised to come back to us. So furthermore, Paul gives them detailed instructions on how to keep their minds on heavenly things. And in today's culture, we need so much uh, of of this reminder um, on how to keep our minds centered on Christ. There's so many distractions these days. We, We are dealing with pandemic. We're dealing with job loss. We're dealing with death. We're dealing with... Uh, schisms within denominations. We're dealing with chaos within families, and uh, we're dealing with so much. Uh, Rebellious children, um, wayward parents, we're dealing with so much in today's society. But Paul says, keep your mind on heavenly things, things uh, such as putting away anything that is rooted in sinful desires. Uh, Many uh, believers or those that attend church are struggling they're struggling and they're not sharing it with anyone they, they're struggling with sexual immorality they're, they're struggling with uh, a gender identity they're, they're, they're struggling with uh, keeping up with the rent they're struggling with what ministry they ought to be in they're struggling with their place and within their family they're, they're struggling with marriage they're struggling with singleness they're struggling With so many things, uh, uh, mental illness, and uh, they're they're struggling with um, uh, the the, the Bible and and the doctrines. There's so many people attending church that are struggling. And many of those struggles are dealing with sin. And Paul is saying, deal with it. If you need to go see uh, a counselor, go see a counselor. If you need to go see a therapist... Go see a therapist. But we can't ever yield to the sinful desires. We have to resist. We have to struggle with it. We 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 have to go see someone and get some help, but never lay down because Christ has better things for us. And he wants us to do our part uh, in God miraculously delivering us from our state. Number two, get rid of sexual sins and impure impure acts. That's what Paul is talking about in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Get rid of those sexual sins and impure acts. And you know what they are, Um, the uh, soft porn that you watch or perhaps uh, the uh, non-soft porn, the hard porn that you are purchasing or going online and and looking at, Um, things that you shouldn't do with your bodies, uh, relationships that you shouldn't be in. Uh, we we, we got to get rid of it. Number three, Paul tells them to not let their feelings get out of control. To not let their feelings get out of control. Scripture tells us to be angry but to not sin. It's okay to be angry. But we can't cause that anger to lead us into sinful uh, conduct or behavior. Uh, so don't let your feelings get out of control. Uh, many of us uh, need anger management as Christians. Um, it sounds like an oxymoron, right? Uh, a Christian, uh, that can't control themselves. That shouldn't be, uh, God has all power. God has given us access to his power. God has given us counselors. Uh, God has given us our pastors, uh, elders, people inside the church that we can talk to, uh, regarding steps to deal with our anger, Whatever the root cause of your anger needs to be identified so you can deal with it and get your anger in check. So as Christians, um, there are things that we ought to be doing uh, for ourselves that God expects us to do uh, in order for the miracle to happen. And and let me paint a clear picture. Uh, In the Gospels, you'll see numerous instances where uh, Jesus would heal someone. But yet that individual would have to do their part. Jesus would, would help uh, the lame person to walk, but uh, he would say, rise. Or he would tell the other individual, uh, go and, and, and dip into this pool of water uh, in, uh, in order to receive full restoration. So God expects us at different times to do our part. Can he just miraculously take everything away from us that's burdening us? Yes, he could do that. But that's not the norm. The norm is God expects us to do our part. Number four, remove from your life all evil desires. The things that you know is not of God, we got to get rid of it. So the question is, how do I get rid of it? Now, once you ask that question, you have to take the next step. Go talk to someone. Go confide in people you can trust, people that are godly, people that have wisdom, people that have uh, answers that's rooted in Scripture. And in order to remove, we have to first identify. So what the the things that you know are wrong. The things that you know are not of God. The things that are contrary to Scripture, those are the things that we have to work on. Don't uh, lay down in your sins. Don't make excuses for your sins. Don't rationalize your sins. Because once we start making excuses for why you are doing things that are contrary to God, then we get further, further, further away from the truth. And if we are living in falsehood, then that means that we're not getting close to God. So we need to work on the things, those evil desires that's within us, those thoughts that consistently cross our minds, but uh, uh, we have yet to deal with it. Is, is distracting us, is, is, is overwhelming us, and we are too embarrassed to share with someone else. But that's the ploy of the enemy. The enemy likes to isolate and then attempt to destroy. Our enemy is roaring about like a lion, and he wants to diminish the light that God has given you access to. So the last point that Paul makes in this division is stop always wanting more and more. Right. Uh, We're we're insatiable. Uh, We we are always looking for the next uh, entertainment. Uh, We always looking for the next relationship. Uh, we're, we're, We're never we're not satisfied. With our current spouse, we 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 have wayward eyes. We we we're looking at other things. Or if you're single, uh, you, you you're constantly uh, getting engaged, and you you're always wanting more and more and more, more and more of the wrong things. Not not the virtuous stuff, but more and more of the wrong things. The latest fad, uh, the latest ideology, uh, the 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 latest insight. Uh, what's, what's, what's popular and, and what's uh, trending and whatever's popular, whatever's trending must be sifted by the word of God. Just because something is popular doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Just because something is trending doesn't mean necessarily that God is endorsing it. So Paul tells them that such conduct as we have listed, is equivalent to the worship of false gods. Look at verse 6. As a result, God is angered by this type of behavior. So when we are distracted by sexual immorality, when we are distracted by losing our cool and, be, and always angry and blowing our top, God is angered by that because in reality, what's happening is, whatever is not of God that we're doing all the time, that thing becomes an idol. That thing become, becomes uh, the mindset that we're following and we're not following God. If something is that strong where it's pulling you from uh, the love of God, where it's keeping you from fulfilling God's will, that thing has become your idol. And Paul says we need to get rid of it. And getting rid of it, as I've listed before, uh, means you have to take some steps in getting rid of it. When I first uh, accepted Christ, one of the things I struggled with was uh, worldly music. I was fully into worldly music. I wanted to become an artist. I wanted to be famous. And this is back um, uh, early, early, almost 30 years ago. And as I grew in Christ, I tried to rationalize. I, I, I tried to uh, practice uh, uh, syncretism. Meaning that I try to uh, sing for the world and also sing for God at the same time, and singing for the world would means that I would have to promote things that God has already condemned, and I had I, I struggled with it. So there came a time, and remember at this point uh, we had uh, vinyl records. That, and so I'm going way back, vinyl records, and I had. Uh, numerous vinyl records uh, 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 from uh, from the world, things that I enjoyed, uh, uh, things that uh, had me captivated, things that had a stronghold on me, uh, different popular artists from back in the day. And as I tried to uh, get closer to God, the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And he told me, uh, if you want to get closer to God, You have to let go of the things that have you in bondage. I didn't think it had me in bondage and I struggled with it. I remember taking all of my albums, putting it in garbage. I remember um, going back and getting all of the albums and bringing it back into my room until I was ready and willing to step out on faith, letting go of my comfort zone and what I was afraid to lose. But I finally did it. I got rid of all of my worldly albums, uh, all of the money that was invested, and I stepped out on faith. And in me doing so, it took a while, but I finally came to myself. And God met me right where I was. And here we are 30-something years later, and I am enjoying singing holy songs. I'm I'm enjoying singing Zion songs. I enjoy playing in my car radio uh, songs that are healthy for my soul. Now, um, God, through faith, because I was willing to give up something, he replaced it with something better. And that's what Jesus does. When we let go of the things that have strongholds on us, he doesn't leave the, leave us empty. He fills that gap with himself and allow us to enjoy him and to fellowship with him, fellowship with him in a different way. So when we let go of the struggle and trust God through faith, he gives us something better. So in order to reinforce this point, Paul again contrasts the old conduct with the new conduct. He encourages uh, the Christians to get rid of anger, to get rid of rage, to get rid of hate, and to get rid of lies. There's so much um, schism. There's so much anger. There's so much uh, chaos in our society today. The world is trying to get its arms around racial tensions. And I've said this before. As Christians, Jesus is inviting all races, all gender to come unto him. We can find equality at the foot of the cross. When we read the uh, narrative of the day of Pentecost, we see this actualized. We see Christians from all around the globe represented. And God is saying, come unto me. Let the nations be glad, as the the psalmist says. And let all the nations be glad. Let all races unify at the foot of the cross. So it doesn't matter where you're from. If you accept Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is... We have the real solution to racism, and that's the gospel. The gospel can uh, carve a person's heart to uh, realize that racism is wrong through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've tried legislation. We've we uh, uh we've tried politics. We we we've tried social uh, uh, gatherings. We tried marches. Uh, we, we we we've tried classes, and we've tried training, uh, um, equity training and diversity training, and we've tried all those things that logically we think we ought to try. But look at the results, because we refuse to share the gospel because we've allowed the world to uh, shut us up. Those who need to hear the gospel are not afforded that privilege, which would guide them to change. So we as Christians have a burden. We need to preach the gospel in season, out of season, whether it's in vogue or not in vogue, whatever, wherever we are, God is calling us to be lights. And other people need to hear the gospel, so we are we are supposed to get rid of our anger as christians we, are, we ought to deal with our rage, we ought to deal with our hate, and there is no such thing as a Christian who hates other people because of their race, or we hate other people because of what they 've done to us. We need to love the individual and reject the action, so that 's how God deals with us. so our time has come to an end. And we will continue on our next episode. Uh, please continue to pray. And if you like to give, please go online, srministries.org, or you can send a check made out to sign Reasoning Ministries to our PO box. May God bless you.